Welcome in and thank you for listening to Creek Talk, a podcast produced by Abner Creek Baptist Church, where we aim to use this means as a way to glorify God by having public conversations about the body of Christ. We hope today's recording is helpful for some of you. Thanks for joining us. All right, yeah, welcome back in for another episode of Creek Talk, and got another member with us from Abner Creek. Delighted to have him with us, Travis Harrison. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Travis, can you tell us your full name, your birthday, and tell us a little bit about your family? All right, so Jefferson Travis Harrison. Um, God, what was the other part? Was <laughs> your other birthday. Part? My birthday is January 10th. Uh, what year? 1971. Thank you for pressing that point. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes you how old? Yeah, 53. Just turned 53. 53. So uh, blessed to be able to see it. Uh, as far as family goes, married to uh, Jennifer Lynn Allen was her maiden name. Now she is Jennifer uh, Allen Harrison. and uh, Definitely your better half. Uh, definitely my better half. That's right. So we've been married uh, 26 years, and uh, we have three children, uh, Carson, uh, Katie, and Caden. So uh, we're in a weird season right now. They're all seniors at their own institutions. So oh, two, in, two in college and then uh, little man in, in high school. So What college? So you've got Katie is at Coastal Carolina. You've got Carson is at Upstate. Both of them are in marketing. I hmm. think both of them are actually going to finish up in August of this year. And then uh, Caden will finish up his senior year of high school at Burns uh, here in May or June, whenever their last day is. All right. Does he have any idea what he wants to do next? He has no clue, and I'm kind of thankful for that. Yeah. Um, He's he's got a lot of opportunity, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm glad he doesn't feel like he's got to go in a specific direction. Uh, uh, So we'll leverage that in, in good ways where we can. Absolutely. Well, Travis, thanks for <clears throat> thanks for being with us. What do you do for a living, and what do you like and dislike about it? Yeah, so um, I'm in the residential mortgage space. Um, that's a really wide, wide world. I don't mm-hmm. do any commercial work. Uh, been in that world uh, really since 2001. I had a couple of years there where I was out of that market, but uh, so it, it's been good. I've, I've served on both sides where you help people get homes, which is what I do now. Uh, but also helped on the side where you help people keep their homes when mm-hmm. they have difficulty paying you know, flat tires in life, uh, mm-hmm. things like that. So seen a lot over 20 years, a lot of change, a lot of regulation. Um, we went from a heavily kind of do-as-you-please world back in the mid-2000s to we are now in the most heavily regulated time that this industry's ever seen. So, uh, mm-hmm. But I, I do like it. Um, I enjoy walking people through what they know they need to do but do it better than they anticipated being able to do it Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of things that we do as far as you know well i want to buy a home okay well there's much more to that i mean you do a mortgage wrong it's got some pretty big implications Mm -hmm. um you, you buy the wrong car you can trade it you may lose a little bit of money but um, you buy a house, it really has an impact on everything, not just in the moment, but it's got heritage and legacy impact. So it's nice giving counsel to that. Um, the thing I hate worst about this is uh, so much regulation mm-hmm. because you can have a genuine storyline 
and everybody in the room knows what's going on. It makes complete sense, and nobody would do any different. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to say no because of a regulation, and I hate when regulations get in the way of helping people. So that's that's my biggest beef. Yeah. How much of your job requires sales? Um, a lot of it, because uh, it's not just with providing counsel to the the person who's looking to buy. Mm-hmm. But it's also in being able to take that storyline and nuance it while staying inside the reg mm-hmm. um, with an underwriter, with a processor, with my assistants, or even with staff, just to get everybody to see what needs to be seen and what really matters at the end of the day about trying to help people yeah. move forward. So one thing I know about Travis for the listeners here, if you ever don't want to buy something, don't get in a corner with Travis because the man can sell ice to an Eskimo. <laughs> well, sometimes. Um, yeah, I, it, it, it's a gift. Um, I'm just glad I've gotten to a to a point where I use it for good instead yeah. of evil. <laughs> Amen to that. That's good. Uh, Travis, can you tell us a little bit about how you became a Christian? Yeah, so uh, in true Southern Baptist fashion of the 70s, I was saved when I was six and when I was 10. Yep. So uh, if you've been around church any time, you know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so Both under I surrender all or just as I am. Yeah, hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> I would submit um, that I was really saved when I was six. Now, I, I know that I knew the answers to the questions, um, and a lot of it's regurgitation at that point. Um when I was 10, that was an emotional moment, and anyway, it is what it is. But as far as actually following Christ, um, that's not till I'm 39 or 40. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, knowing the answers at 6, getting wet, being in church, yes, sir, no, sir. All I mean, I could do the dog and pony show, but as far as truly pursuing what it means to be a Christian biblically, mm-hmm. yeah, that wouldn't have been until I was 39 or 40 years old. Did you ever find yourself wrestling with the question, was I really not saved until 39 or 40 years old? Yeah, it's that's a battle that you have to go through. Um, and through a lot of counsel, a lot of conversations, um, the, the, the idea is that I was always his, but God was willing to allow me to fail up to a certain point, and then he got my attention, mm-hmm. and not audibly, but uh, basically said, okay, we're done doing you, now you're mine, and this is what we're going to do. Yeah. But that's a tough battle. Yeah. That's a very tough battle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you grew up in Abner Creek? I did. Yeah. So you would have professed faith at Abner Creek Baptist. That is correct. So, yeah, still here today. Praise God. Uh, if you could be 21 again, what would you tell yourself now? Uh-huh. Wow. Or then. Yeah. So since this is a podcast and not a series. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Keep it. Uh, to one, uh, 21 was wild. I mean, it was uh, for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, irresponsibility in all areas of life. Um, I, I would go back and 
Where were you at 21? At 21, I was in Columbia at the University of South Carolina. Um, Place kicker for the Gamecocks? Well, not yet. That okay. was I was still – I was either sitting out um, – we're fixed to go into spring ball because I had to sit out from transferring from Walford back in the day. You had to sit out a year, mm-hmm. uh, which was awful. Um, Didn't get any big NIL money? Zero. <laughs> Zero. And it's probably good for you. Yeah, it was good for me. Now, the one advantage I did have, though, was I wasn't on scholarship. So I could work, and I mm-hmm. did work. I worked full-time um, at a restaurant down there. Made you know made really good money. Um, attended class on Tuesday, Thursdays. Um, had some other side gigs and some other uh, restaurants and clubs down there, uh, which is a total testament of, of my life at that point. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, no money for playing ball legally. That's mm-hmm. correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you would have told yourself to transfer to Clemson instead? No, no. <laughs> I would not have. Although that would have been good. Grandpa would have been proud. Yeah. I mean, he was uh, he was one of the first freshmen to play basketball that's at right. Clemson. Uh, back back in World War II, when back when freshmen didn't play, but mm-hmm. they were allowed to because of the war. My biggest commendation would be real uh, quick for yeah. those of you who don't know, Grandpa is Effie Hendricks, so yeah. Travis is his grandson. Uh, many of you knew Effie. Yeah. yeah. So I I would probably not because I know at twenty one I didn't listen. Mm-hmm. So I would probably give myself more of a commendation, which would be to read. Uh, Thoughts for Young Men, uh, which is by J.C. Ryle. Um, It's a small book. Uh, It's an easy read. But it is a very head-on approach to, listen, young man, these temptations and these distractions, man, they are real. They're Mm -hmm. out there. You're going to have to deal with this, and you're going to have to make a decision of whether you're going to participate it participate in it mm-hmm. um, or whether you're going to walk away from it whether you're going to entertain it whether you're going to engage it but if you decide to go down that road before you do let me tell you it's not going to go well mm-hmm. it may be pleasurable it may be fulfilling in the moment it may be fun it may whatever mm-hmm. but ultimately it is not what you are here for Please read this book. Yeah, that's good. If you don't, if you've never read Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle, I too would recommend you read it. No matter what age you are, it's an excellent resource. Yeah. What does a fun, relaxing day look like for you, Travis? Oh man, um, on a cruise ship with no phone and no internet, with my bride or with my bride and my kids. Just yeah. away from the distractions and the noise mm. of the world. Yeah. Those are sweet moments because I don't get them much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw me. I came in here cutting off two phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't get to turn it off much. But when I can, that's that's just kind of a big old breath of fresh air. Got any plan in the future? Uh, no, not right now. Okay. Um, I, things that we're looking at, sure. Uh, but we're investing much more of our resources and time, and there's a lot of transition in the mortgage and real estate world right now. Yep. So we're we're transitioning and positioning for that. So that's where some financial resources are going to right now. If you could have dinner with one famous person who's currently living, who would you pick? This will probably shock you, um, because I wanted to 
you know, we talked about these things before mm-hmm. doing this. Yeah. Um, I wanted to select somebody that most people, I think, would know. It's Denzel Washington. Ah. So my understanding, here's Coach the one. Boone. Yeah. <laughs> so here, is, here is the why on this. My understanding, I don't know this to be fact, but my understanding is that he will not do a movie that does not deal with redemption of a main character. Hmm. And I've seen enough of his movies to say, huh, I've heard that. Let me just kind of walk through these. Mm-hmm. And there have been moments, I've been 85 minutes into a 90-minute movie, and I'm like, nope, this is not true. And then the last five minutes, I did, I'm like, wow, yep, mm-hmm. that's true. But I would love to know how he got to that position. Um, and what appears to me, by, I mean, I'm not a movie guy, mm-hmm. but this appears to be his rhythm, where that came from, and then see exactly where his faith is. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's one thing to be correct with a biblical answer, but does it sound biblically? And that's mm-hmm. not that's not anything on Denzel. Yeah. I just think it'd be a really neat conversation yeah. to see how rooted that is in biblical truth. That's a really interesting answer. Denzel has been one of my favorite actors for a while um, because he plays in one of my favorite movies, Remember the Titans, that I referenced mm-hmm. a minute ago. Any favorite Denzel movies? So that's probably one of them for personal reasons because my father-in-law was in that movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah, what was, was that, that about? So he was in, uh, this was when they were filming it down in Georgia, I believe. And um, he's in two or three scenes. Like, he's clearly in the movie. He doesn't have any speaking roles. Um, like in the stands or something? Well, he's out at the bus when they're loading up to go to camp. And, and I forget what the other two scenes are. But he was in it enough to where when we were leaving and they turned the lights on, there were two young men sitting in front of us. And they turned around like, that dude was in the movie. Ah. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's clearly in there. So I'll get him to share some of that with you sometime. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, neat experience for him. This could totally turn into a Denzel podcast. Here we go. I, I'm a movie guy and I'm a Denzel guy, so it's Travis's fault. But I'll, I'll stop it there. I will say I, um, the most recent Denzel movie I watched was The Equalizer 3. Which has a huge redemptive theme the, in it. The Equalizer movies are clearly, for my personal, if I'm going to sit down and watch movies, mm-hmm. those are clearly my favorite. Now, I have not seen Equalizer 3. It's yeah. on the list. Uh, but those are tremendously powerful mm-hmm. movies. There's another movie, and I don't know the name of it. Um, and it, just to be real clear, uh, you probably need to skip through the first five or ten minutes of it because it's, it's a little rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's where he's an air, he's an airline pilot, hmm. and but he's an alcoholic, hmm. and he winds up pulling off some crazy maneuver in a passenger jet. Some people die, but he saved a lot of lives, and he was a hero. But it goes through why he wasn't, and then he's got a chance to go left or right in life with how he decides to handle this, and. Uh, it's it's a powerful statement of there may be a long gap between when something happens and when we finally own something, <laughs> but when you own it, they own it all, mm-hmm. um, and you can just it's it's just a really good. I don't, but again, forget the title. It's a great movie. What's the most influential book you've ever read outside the Bible? So, Unshakable Truth uh, by Josh McDowell. Uh, here's here's why when when I got a hold of this book, um, 
I was 39 years old. I was um, a resident at the Greenville Rescue Mission, um, a ministry of Miracle Hill, and which means I was homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and homeless has different definitions. It's one thing to be homeless and not have a place to go to. That That's homeless. I was homeless in having a home, but literally not allowed to go to it. Mm-hmm. That's a different. It's <laughs> a different place to be. But um, I didn't have a lot of time on my hands, but there was downtime, and never was a big reader. Uh, but this was a book that was introduced to me, and uh, the thing that that's powerful, and I brought it with me, is to give you a visual. This book. It's 500 pages all day long. I mean, it's long. 400, well, yeah, it's 500 pages. And it make, it's written by Josh McDowell and Sean McDowell. And it's written in a way that at that point in time, remember a while ago I said, you know, I think I was saved at six, but didn't really start following Christ till mm-hmm. 39 or 40. So while I'm in where I'm living, Let's start doing some digging. Let's start doing some investigating. And this book allowed me to go through a lot of arguments and a lot of evidence and a lot of this um, and get through a lot of intellectual arguments that I had mm-hmm. using human logic, which yeah, it's dangerous, but anyway, that's what I was doing. And I finally got to page 268. Yeah, 268. And it put the brakes on me. Um, you never know what God's going to use to, to get people to him. Mm-hmm. But what I could not get past, now remember, it's a 500-page book. I'm on page 268. So up to that point, I had been able to somehow in my mind say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. You could, you know, and rationalize anything that was there and still defend my argument or my position. I couldn't get around how Jesus, if he was just a man, could finger roll a stone uphill after going through what he had been through physically if he wasn't more than human. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's not necessarily the ding ding, mm-hmm. but it was clearly a moment where like, uh, it's going to take a lot. I, I, it took me more to believe that could be possible mm-hmm. than it would to just believe. Why don't you just believe in, yeah. <laughs> in, in who Jesus says that he is and clearly demonstrates that he is. But that's a powerful book for me for that moment, but also because he allowed me McDowell allowed me to kind of flesh through because a lot of stuff I'm reading, I'm like, yeah, I've thought that. I've mm-hmm. thought that. Yeah, how could that be? And he didn't attack my argument. He allowed me to have my argument. He actually engaged my argument or opposition and then would walk through, here's what would have to be true for that to make sense. Mm-hmm. And for me, that worked. Um, you know, everybody communicates and learns and picks mm-hmm. up on stuff differently for me at that time in my life it was nice to have what i felt like somebody was listening to me engaging me mm-hmm. and then questioning me without questioning me mm-hmm. uh, i didn't feel like i was being attacked would you that time you're referencing would you 
say that that was one of the hardest times you walked through um, as a Christian or leading up to yeah. understanding more of it? Yeah, because, I mean, my whole world was ripped apart. I mean, now, I, now I, clearly, I was the one that was responsible for where I was at. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, um, I didn't have issues with my wife, my kids, my family, nothing mm-hmm. that I had not originated. So, mm-hmm. I, I, having, I don't have that storyline. I have a storyline of just self-destruction and implosion. Mm-hmm. So, but in what sense? Well, so I was an alcoholic for like twenty years. Okay, I mean, just full blown. Let's go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and was able to function on a certain certain level. But is that what led you to Miracle Hill? That that is what got me um, deported mm-hmm. <laughs> to Miracle Hill. I mean, literally, my, my family did an intervention, put me in a car, and took me to. Miracle Hill, and I was able to pass drug tests, and I had not, there'd been a big enough window where I hadn't drank mm-hmm. to where I was able to pass that, and then boom. I mean, I was stripped of my phones. I had two or three phones at that time. I had two computers. I mean, I had these in my bag with me because I'm like, okay, well, wherever I'm going to be, I'll still be able to work. And I mean, that they didn't let me take that in. Mm-hmm. Um, my Uncle Steve and Grandpa, F.E., that you referenced a while ago. They took that, turned around, and they're gone. Now, they did, that sounds like so mean, but it was incredibly loving. Mm-hmm. Um, they just were the ones who were executing what the family had said was going right. to happen. Right. How long were you there? 13 months. 13 months. So I was in um, Overcomers, which is a Christ Center Recovery Program. Mm-hmm. was there seven months uh, as a client. And then in a transitionary period, spent six months there as an intern, which meant um, – at seven months, you walked across stage, graduated, woohoo, you got a certificate. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you walked across the other side of the stage, you were an intern and you were living amongst the guys um, for another six months. So, mm-hmm. powerful time f- for me. Um, the challenge there was um, I was constantly waiting, especially the first seven months, um, and even a little past that. But, um, I mean, I, I, I was waiting on divorce papers to hit me. Mm-hmm. Every day, because I was watching guys get those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the reality of that world. Um, Does it make you? I'm assuming have to have a completely dry life now. Yeah, I'm completely dry yeah. now, um, which is always interesting. I have gone to uh, visit families, and uh, <laughs> they apparently didn't finish their maneuvering of things in their home. Mm-hmm. And I'll get in there and. Uh, there was one incident. It was so funny. And the husband dismisses himself. It's kind of an open layout of the house. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I hear these bottles clink, 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 clink. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you don't have to put them up. I'm, we're good. I, I'm perfectly fine. Uh, but, yeah. But now now to that, I, I am. I'm completely dry. I mean, I don't smoke, don't drink. Um, because I, I, I'm not going to die on the hill that if you do those things – um, that you can't be saved. I, I, I'm just because there's, I don't think there's scriptural support there absolutely on any of those. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, I have turned down speaking engagements for, especially early on coming back out uh, when there was clear evidence of a new life. Um, we want you to come speak to our men about alcohol. Like, what? Okay, well, what do you want me to tell them? You know that it's a sin. I'm like, I'm out. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. In, in true transparency, um, I would love the opportunity to be able to have a nice steak and a nice glass of wine. Mm-hmm. That's just 
that's that's me. That's the human mm-hmm. element. Mm-hmm. But it's not worth it to me. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. Um, and I'm not envious, a little jealous yeah. of people who can do it. But I'm not made that way. Yeah. Um, but I'm comfortable uh, in the fact that I just know that you know what for me. Mm, that's just where I struggle. Yeah. That's just where I struggle. Well, I mean, I, I think you're wise to see that and yeah. guard yourself in that. Yeah. Let's do a couple of uh, rapid fire as we wrap up here um, just to help people get a little bit more knowledge about you. What's one thing most people don't know about you? I absolutely hate outdoor work. Really? Yeah. If you want to make me mad, buy me something that's green and yellow other than something from Green Bay Packers. <laughs> I do not like outside work. I hate it. Huh. Papa, I'll tell you the same. <laughs> Where did that come from, you think? Right out of the gate. Okay. I, I mean, it's I'm not mechanically inclined, mm-hmm. and I will tear things up not trying to. Yeah. It's always been hard. Like, nobody made it hard. Yeah. But I, I never... I never liked it. I, I never get this sense of pleasure of a cut yard. Like, man, that's beautiful. Mm. I'm like, well, it's done. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> you know, and, and the people that kill me are the ones who cut the grass, look at it, and then they they, they put water on it uh-huh. sort of grow back. I, <laughs> the perfect yard for me is crunchy brown. That is the best yard. Right. Yeah, I do. I absolutely hate outdoor work. Interesting. We got a work day next weekend. You want to join us? Uh, I'm busy. <laughs> I'll check my calendar. <laughs> that's good. Travis, who are some of your spiritual heroes? So, there's some men locally who are my heroes. Um, But if we go on the biblical reference, um, the spiritual hero, just to stay inside the story, is the prodigal father. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of what that represents. Um, And I know it's not a real person. Mm But it is a real illustration of what God is. And it's because that's what happened for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, as everybody's bottom is different. Mm-hmm. But mine was messy. And while I was not physically and actually eaten with pigs and swine and in the slop, I was. I mean, I was making some choices that were just stupid. And to be able to come back um, and be received lovingly, not only by my family, but also by this church. I mean, that's another part of this story. I mean, where I screwed up, a lot of people screw up and then they move away. Mm-hmm. Or it's in a different backyard. Man, I screwed up right here where everybody, everybody knew that Travis had messed up. Mm-hmm. And most people knew how I had messed up. It was extensive. But to be able to come back in and have people take me under and engage me immediately and get me involved quickly, mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, that's powerful. Yeah. Amen. Let's wrap up with this one. If the podcast that we're doing right now was listened to by a new Christian 200 years from now, and both of us are dead at that point, they stumble upon it, and they are a brand new Christian, and you are the first help they receive for their new faith, what would you want to tell them? You will always need the gospel. Hmm. The gospel is is what saves you through Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But 
once you're saved, the gospel is what keeps you grounded because your hope is completely in Christ. You're going to get distracted. There are going to be some really nice, shiny squirrels that come along that are going to distract you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what those are, but it's coming. Mm-hmm. But AI squirrels at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but don't think because you're saved that you no longer need the gospel. Mm-hmm. You still need the good news for the rest of your life. That's a good word. Travis, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to another episode of Creek Talk. Until you listen again, we want to encourage you to glorify God, proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ, and make disciples. Have a good week.